Well, Merry Christmas, guys. What a Savior. So this morning, we normally do announcements. One announcement, we're going to do all our announcements next week. All right? We're going to have a lot of them because there's a lot that's happening and the Lord has for us here at Freedom Fellowship in 2024. Uh, this morning, all you kids get to stay up here for service today. We're going to have the older kids stay up. But Miss Liz, who teaches you guys on Sunday morning, has COVID. So we're going to pray real quick for her and her family. And uh, also, Kevin's back up in the hospital. So we're going to pray for healing for him, too. And uh, then we'll get into God's word here. So, Father, we are thankful for a time this morning together. It's always good as a church family to be able to come together and to worship you in spirit and in truth. And Heavenly Father, we want to hear this morning from you to understand uh, your heart uh, more clearly in the reality of what Christmas is. So would you please come and speak to us this morning? We pray for Liz Tassoni and her family that you would just bring them healing and protect them. We pray for Kevin that you'd bring him uh, just complete wholeness to his body, Lord, that things would heal up the way they're uh, supposed to be. I don't know, I know there's a lot of other families just going through much right now. We just thank you that you are there and we just pray that you I just would bless well today. Amen. All right, so this morning we're going to consider their incarnation. You guys can turn to John chapter 1 in your Bibles. You guys might be like, hey, what's the incarnation? Well, let me explain it to you. The incarnation, was this the first nation that had cars? No. We're going to look at what the scriptures speak about in regards to Christ coming to earth. Now, I'm going to read to you guys out of Matthew chapter 1, and we'll get to John chapter 1 in a moment. But you guys can look up on the screen. I have verses 18 to 23 for us out of Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to read this. It says, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he was in thought of these things, behold, an angel appeared to him. Think about an angel showing up and speaking to you. That'd be pretty cool. Well, this is what happened for Joseph. And this angel spoke to him saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, look, the virgin, she is with child. And shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So this whole last month, we've been considering what it looks like and what it means to have God with us. Now we're going to consider the incarnation this morning, okay? God, Emmanuel, being with us. Um, I'm going to share with you, I looked up real quick, and I never ever do this, but Wikipedia how many of you guys ever use that? Sometimes it's right on, sometimes like, what are you talking about? 
But in regards to the incarnation, it def, or defined it this way. In Christian theology, it's the doctrine of incarnation that holds Jesus, the pre-existent divine logos, which is the word, and the second hypostasis of the Trinity, God the Son, God the uh, and the Son of the Father, taking on human body and human nature, was made flesh, conceived in the womb of Mary, the Theotokos, that means the God-bearer. The doctrine of the incarnation then entails that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human. His two natures joined in this hypostatic union. Well, a lot of big words there, right? I want to simplify this morning for you and I what it means that Jesus became man, the incarnation, to show the incarnation maybe in a different perspective than you ever heard before at church. So we're going to consider God becoming flesh. And that's where we're going to take a look real quick at John chapter 1. Look at the very first verse with me here in John's Gospel. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Okay, so in the beginning of all things, we have the Word of God, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now I want you guys to jump all the way down to verse 14. What does it tell us about the Word? The Word became what? Flesh. God became flesh and made his dwelling, or he tabernacled among us. Is that not profound? That God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, imagine if God the Father had a conversation with Jesus the Son. This is your mission, Son, should you choose to accept it. Let me tell you what it's going to cost you selected a woman a girl actually her name's mary she's going to be your mom you're really going to like her too she's a young girl she lives in nazareth she's devoted to us she loves us she wants our will to be done in her life and she's not like other girls because she doesn't play truth or dare or spin the bottle she's pure and she's kept herself. She's saved herself. She's a virgin. And there's going to be a guy by the name of Joseph. He's going to be your stepdad. He's going to be your earthly dad. He won't get nearly as much attention as Mary does because they're going to make statues of Mary and put her in little half bathtubs. Have you guys seen some of those? Right? But Joseph, we'll get him in the nativity scene. He'll be in all the nativity scenes. And just to be clear... You're going to leave the glory of heaven. And you're going to become a man. Just like our creation. And before Mary pushes you into the cold, hard world, you're going to spend nine months in her womb. Well, Jesus asked, Father, how, how about you send me with a stork instead? Would that work? <laughs> God explains, no, you have to be born of a woman. It has to happen this way. Because you need to be all God and all man. Most expect you to be born in a palace. 
but you're not even going to be born in a common place. You're actually going to be born in a cave alongside animals. And Jesus said, I like that. Everyone will know that I came for them, not for the rich and the powerful, but the common and the ordinary. I like that, Dad. And when you're born, things are going to get complicated before you even take your first steps. Satan and all his minions, all the demons, they're going to be threatened by you. They're going to try to kill you from the day you're born. And the first time that it's going to happen is by this evil man named Herod. He's going to start killing all the baby boys, hoping to get you. Your whole family will be in danger, and you're going to have to run for your lives. But I have a fast donkey ready. And you're going to have power. As a kid, you might not want to take a bath, but don't worry. You'll be able to park that bath water to the sides and you can sit there on the dry tub if you want. But take the bath. And you're going to be given broccoli. And you can turn it into chocolate cake. But eat the broccoli, son. In school, you're going to have perfect attendance. All A's. You're never going to be talk too much. And the kids are all going to be jealous of you. As a job, you're going to work with wood. You're going to be a carpenter, just like your earthly father. And you're going to make a lot of things. You're going to serve a lot of people. And it's going to be very satisfying work. You're going to be good at it. But they're not going to respect you, especially the people in your hometown. And the very wood that you used to make tables is going to be used to make a cross. Your first miracle, and son, you're going to do a lot of miracles, is you're going to turn water into wine at a wedding. And Christians are going to debate, especially the Baptists for years, whether it was non-alcoholic or (laughs) not. And then you're going to heal blind eyes. You're going to open deaf ears. You're going to raise people from the dead. And still, they're going to hate you. They're going to say that you're a hypocrite, that you're a drunk, that you're a lunatic, that you're dangerous. They're even going to say that you're my enemy. You must show them my love. Touch the lepers. Befriend prostitutes. Love all those that religion rejects. The more you love, the more they will hate. Just keep on loving. And love isn't what we do, son. Love is what we are. The devil's going to attack, and when he attacks, you fight back with my word. You're going to go and fast. No food for 40 days. You're going to be hungry. 
And he's going to tempt you to turn stones into bread. And you can do that, son. But stand upon my word. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from my mouth. He's going to test you. But the word says, test not the Lord your God. He's going to offer you the riches, all that the world has, if you just would bow down and worship him. And you tell him, not today, Satan. But you're going to have good friends. It's not all bad. You're going to have 12 disciples. A few women, they're going to hang out. They're going to be great friends of you. You're going to have a Mary and Martha there in Bethany that are sisters and a brother Lazarus. They're going to be good friends to you too. You're going to do life with them. And one of your closest friends is going to be a man by the name of Peter. But he's going to betray you. And another one of the disciples that you'll have is named Judas. And he's going to betray you with a kiss. And when he does... That night, you will be in a garden, and you will know what, about, what, what is about to happen to you, and it's going to be hard, and you're going to pray, and the pain's going to be so hard that you're actually going to sweat blood. Jesus, look at me. The cross, it's worse than you could ever imagine. They're going to nail you to the tree. You will suffocate to death. And they're going to beat you so bad before they even do that that you won't even be recognized as a man. But remember, Jesus, I will always be with you until you become sin. You're going to hurt. It's going to be the hardest thing any man has ever done. And you will cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when you die, you won't stay dead forever. Because three days later, you're going to rise from the dead. Women will be there at the tomb. The stone will be rolled away. But you're not going to be there. Well, the Holy Spirit finally speaks up and says, hey, what about me? When do I get to go? Jesus, you can tell him or tell all of them about the Holy Spirit too. I want you guys to look at John chapter 14. Jesus said this concerning the Spirit of God in verse 15. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. So before I leave earth and ascend back to you, Father, 
Can I remind them? Can I let them know? Of course, son. And Jesus says in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Jesus, are you sure that you're up for this? Why do you want to do it, son? Because we love them. Because we love them. They need us. Because we need to show them who we are. That we are love. And we love them. And I'm willing to demonstrate that love for them by dying on the cross for their sins. What is your mission, Jesus? I will go to bring them life and life abundantly. Who are you going for? I'm not going for the righteous, but I'm going for sinners. Not for the healthy, but for the sick. And why are you going, Jesus? Because they're lost sheep, and they need a shepherd. And I'm the good shepherd who's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. I must show them your love. And Father, it's because you so loved the world that you gave me. I must show them your love because we can't shout it from heaven. We need to show them on earth. I want you guys to close your eyes as we close our time together here this morning. I want you just to listen as I read once again from Matthew chapter 1. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And because God is with us, we are blessed with rejoicing. When we feel alone, God is with us. He is our companion, closer than a brother. When we are sick, God is with us. He is our healer. By his stripes, we are healed when we are lost and confused, God's with us. He will lead us. When we are hurting, 
He comforts us. When we are weak, he is right there with us to help us to be our strength. When we are being attacked, God is with us as a defender. And when we're afraid, he is with us. Jehovah Shalom, his peace, perfect peace is with us. And oh, we sin, but God is with us as Savior. And Father, this morning we say thank you. We thank you for loving us the way you do. We thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to send your only begotten son to be sin for us, to live a life, to be with us, to shepherd us, to pay for our sins, to be that perfect sacrifice. We are so grateful for the reality of Christmas. We are so grateful for your heart and your mission. And Father, we are so thankful that your son fulfilled the mission. It is finished. And that he lives forevermore, seated at the right hand of you. And we know, Lord, that one day you're going to tell him again to return, to go back to earth. We look so forward to that day. And that's why we're going to keep our eyes fixed on you. That's why we pray, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We cannot wait for you to come again. But we are thankful that you came 2,000 years ago. We are so grateful for the promise of the Holy Spirit that he is with us, that you are with us. No matter what we face, no matter what we're going through, you are there. What a Savior you are. Thank you, God, for loving us. And we pray in the awesome name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, I hope you come back tonight at 530. We're going to consider a little bit more of this reality and the reality of Christmas. But I want you guys to think about the mission Jesus was on 2,000 years ago. And I want you to consider the reality of that mission today because he is still at work. He is still saving people today. Isn't that pretty cool to think about? What a God we have. Amen. Merry Christmas to you guys. Love you guys. Hope to see you tonight. If not, have a great time with family and friends. And as we celebrate our Savior, let's keep our eyes on him because it's easy to get eyes on stuff. And that's just temporal stuff. You guys know? Might be good for a moment, but it kind of doesn't last. Jesus lasts. Amen? Amen. Love you guys.